0: God is glorious in His saints. Welcome to the Christian Saints Podcast. My name is Dr. Darren Ong, recording from Sepang in Malaysia. In this podcast, we explore the lives of the Christian Saints from the Anglican, Roman Catholic, and Eastern Orthodox traditions. Today, we commemorate St. Gregory the Great, also known as Pope St. Gregory I, St. Gregory the Dialogist, or St. Gregory of Rome. St. Gregory was Pope from the years 590 to 604 AD. He lived at a time where the city of Rome was in a terrible decline. The Roman Empire itself was still going strong, but it was now centred in the east, in the new capital of Constantinople. Whereas the old capital, Rome, was under constant threat from Germanic tribes, like the Lombards and the Ostrogoths. Even in this trying situation, St. Gregory became one of the most important popes in the history of the Church. He was an influential writer and liturgist. He launched missions to bring Christianity to new lands and to new people, and is particularly celebrated for bringing the gospel to the English people. He is also known for his charity, and under his leadership, the Church was a force for helping the poor and the sick. St. Gregory was born around the year 540 AD into a distinguished noble family. His father served as a senator and was a prefect of the city of Rome. St. Gregory was also the great-great-grandson of another pope, Pope Felix III. However, the Rome of Gregory's time was not at all what it was in its heyday. In fact, Shortly before St. Gregory's birth, the city was occupied by the Ostrogoths and was only recently reconquered by the Roman Empire. In the 540s, around the time of St. Gregory's birth, was also when Rome was hit by the Plague of Justinian, the same disease that would cause the Black Death some centuries later. In 546, Rome was again sacked by the Ostrogoths. It was only in 554, when the Roman Empire defeated the Ostrogoths and their allies in the Battle of Volturnus, that peace would return to Italy. The city of Rome could then rebuild, but only as a city of secondary importance with imperial power, centred at Constantinople. St. Gregory received a decent education despite all the chaos, and had a successful career in government, following in his father's footsteps to become Prefect of Rome, the highest ranking official in the city. When his father died in the year 574, St. Gregory decided to give up all of his familial wealth and political power to instead live the simple life of a monk. This passage is taken from a biography of St. Gregory written by F. Holmes Dudden. Gregory's resolution was taken at last. His father, Gordianus, was already dead, and his mother, Sylvia, had retired into a life of seclusion. In the neighbourhood of the Basilica of St. Paul, the Caelian Palace, together with the bulk of the regionary's wealth, had fallen to Gregory, who had thus become one of the richest men in Rome. Now, however, he renounced it all. The greater part of his paternal inheritance, he devoted to the foundation and endowment of monasteries. Of these, six were situated in Sicily and may probably be identified with the monasteries of St Hermas, of Saints Maximus and Agatha, of St Theodore, of St Hadrian, the Praetorian Monastery and the Nunnery of Saint Martin. The seventh and most famous of all, the celebrated Monastery of Saint Andrew, was founded in Gordianus's palace in Rome, close to the church of Saint John and Saint Paul. On these religious houses, Gregory settled sufficient revenues for the support of their inhabitants. His intention clearly being that the monks should not be distracted from their spiritual exercises by the necessity of labouring to procure the means of subsistence. The rest of his property he distributed among the poor. Then having laid aside every sign of his former rank and wealth, the man whose silken robes and glittering jewels had dazzled all eyes when he drove in state processions through the city, donned the coarse dress of a monk and began to learn the lessons of humility as a simple brother in the monastery he had founded. St. Gregory was a dedicated monk, following the monastic rules set out by St. Benedict of Nursia whom St. Gregory admired greatly. The fasting he would undertake in this time was so severe it would weaken his health for the rest of his life. The Church would make use of St. Gregory's considerable skills. He was appointed as one of seven deacons of Rome, and in 578, St. Gregory was sent to the imperial capital of Constantinople as an ambassador from the church in Rome. This was a time when Constantinople was at the height of its power and wealth. While there as ambassador, St. Gregory would be involved in a minor theological controversy with the patriarch of Constantinople, Eutychus, who had asserted that when christians would be resurrected our body would be impalpable that is immaterial the way that we imagine goes to be whereas gregory defended the orthodox christian position that we will be resurrected in the flesh the emperor wanted to resolve the issue and invited patriarch eutychus and saint gregory To argue their positions before him. St. Gregory was able to convince the Emperor, who then ordered Patriarch Eutychius' books burnt. Later, when Patriarch Eutychius succumbed to illness, he would acknowledge that St. Gregory was right in his deathbed. However, St. Gregory's time as ambassador was not very successful. One of his main priorities was to secure More military support for the defense of Rome, which was still continually threatened by Germanic warriors. However, this request for a stronger military presence in Rome was refused because the foreign policy of the empire at that time was more concerned with enemies on its eastern borders, primarily Persia. In 586, St. Gregory returned to Rome to be a monastery abbot. Four years later, upon the death of Pope Pelagius II, St. Gregory was chosen to be Pope. St. Gregory was not particularly happy about being Pope, and this unhappiness sometimes expressed itself in his writings. But upon being chosen for the position, he went about his duties admirably. His attitude towards his new role is encapsulated by a new title that he coined for himself. Servus Servorum Dei. That is, the servant of the servants of God. This is a title that popes use for themselves to this day. The new Pope Gregory took charge at another disastrous time for Rome. A flood had destroyed the city's grain reserves the year prior, and on top of that, Rome was hit by yet another plague, which killed his predecessor, Pope Pelagius II. Rome was again attacked, this time by Lombards, and St Gregory had to negotiate a truce. Since the imperial government in Constantinople was unable to give attention to the problems in Rome. It was up to Pope Gregory to organise the defence of the city, even paying the salaries of soldiers from the church treasury. Even with his considerable duties in administering not just the church, but also to a large extent the city of Rome under siege, Pope Gregory was still able to produce many influential writings, including many important commentaries on the scriptures. Let us take this time to go through a few of his most important writings. In the Eastern Orthodox Church, St. Gregory is most often referred to as St. Gregory the Dialogist, which is a reference to one of his most well-known works, The Dialogues. This was a book that compiled the life stories of various saints of his time, structured as a series of dialogues between Gregory himself and a deacon, Peter. Let's read an excerpt which is a miracle story about Saint Benedict of Nursia. Gregory said, upon a certain time, as St. Benedict was going to the Oratory of St. John, which is in the top of the mountain, the old enemy of mankind, upon a mule, like a physician, met him, carrying in his hand a horn and a mortar. And when he demanded whither he was going, to your monks, quoth he, to give them a drench. A drench is a large dose of veterinary medicine. The Venerable Father went forward to his prayers, and when he had done, he returned in all haste. But the wicked spirit found an old monk drawing of water, into whom he entered, and straightways cast him upon the ground, and grievously tormented him, the man of God coming from his prayers, and seeing him in such pitiful case. Gave him only a little blow with his hand, and at the same instant he cast out that cruel devil, so that he does not any more presume to enter in. Peter said, I would gladly know whether he obtained always by prayer to work such notable miracles, or else sometimes did them only at his will and pleasure. Gregory said, such as be the devout servants of God, when necessity requireth, used to work miracles both manner of ways, so that sometime they affect wonderful things by their prayers, and sometime only by their power and authority. For St. John saith, So many as received him, he gave them power to be made the sons of God. They then, that by power be the sons of God? What marvel is it, if by power they be able to do wonderful things, and that both ways they work miracles? We learn of Saint Peter, who by his prayers did raise up Tabitha, and by his sharp reprehension did sentence Ananias and Sapphira to death for their lying. For we read not that in the death of them he prayed at all, but only rebuked them For that sin which they had committed? Certain therefore, it is that sometimes they do these things by power, and sometimes by prayer. For Ananias and Sapphira, by a severe rebuke, Saint Peter deprived of life, and by prayer restored Tabitha to life. Another important work that St. Gregory wrote was a book titled Pastoral Care, with instructions of how Christian clergy should pastor and serve their congregation. This book was very influential. The Byzantine Roman Emperor Maurice was particularly impressed and ordered it translated to Greek and distributed all over his empire. Let us read here an excerpt of this text. If then we have the care of our neighbour, as well as ourselves upon us, we have each foot protected by a shoe. But he who meditating his own advantage, neglects that of his neighbours, loses with disgrace one foot's shoe. And so there are some, as we have said, Enriched with great gifts, who while they are ardent for the studies of contemplation only, shrink from serving to their neighbours' benefit by preaching. They love a secret place of quiet. They long for a retreat for speculation. With respect to which conduct they are, if strictly judged, undoubtedly guilty in proportion to the greatness of the gifts whereby they might have been publicly useful. For with what disposition of mind does one who might be conspicuous in profiting his neighbours prefer his own privacy to the advantage of others when the Only Begotten of the Supreme Father himself came forth from the bosom of the Father into the midst of us all, that he might profit many?' St. Gregory was also active in advancing the evangelical mission of the church. Bear in mind that this was a time when the city of Rome was facing disaster after disaster. And because of this, the church in Rome had neglected overseas missions to focus on problems at home. But St. Gregory did not use the problems in Rome as an excuse not to Bring the gospel to places and peoples who had not yet received it. He was particularly celebrated for establishing a mission to the English, sending St. Augustine of Canterbury with a large contingent of missionaries to an ultimately successful missionary journey to England. Reverend Alban Butler, the great English hagiographer, relates this anecdote to explain St. Gregory's desire to bring Christ to the pagan English. While still a monk, the saint was struck with some boys who were exposed for sale in Rome, and heard with sorrow that they were pagans. And of what race are they? he asked. They are Angles, worthy indeed to be angels of God, said he. And of what province? Of Deira, was the reply. Truly must we rescue them from the wrath of God. Uh, Deira is Latin for the wrath. And what is the name of their king? He is called Ella. It is well, said Gregory. Alleluia must be sung in their land to God. He at once got leave from the Pope, and had set out to convert the English, when the murmurs of the people led the Pope to recall him. Still, the Angles were not forgotten, and one of the saint's first cares as Pope was to send from his own monastery, St Augustine and other monks, to England. St. Gregory had an enormous impact on the Church liturgy in both the East and the West. During midweek services in Lent, Orthodox churches celebrate the Divine Liturgy of the Pre-Sanctified Gifts, which is attributed to St. Gregory. In the Western liturgical music tradition, the main style of chant is known as the Gregorian chant. In his honour. St. Gregory's papacy was especially distinguished by the care he gave to the poor. With the series of wars and plagues ravaging Italy, and with the imperial state neglecting affairs in Rome, there was a great deal of poverty and suffering in the formerly great city. St. Gregory used the resources of the church and applied it. be a shelter and protection for the poor and hungry. To be clear, St. Gregory did not invent Christian charity. Jesus' teaching and ministry on earth showed his deep concern for the poor, and Christians from the very beginning of the faith were known for the care that they showed to the poor. The institution of the xenodochium, which meant a place for strangers, was established in the Christian Roman Empire as places where Christians, especially monastics, would care and minister to the needy. The Zenodocium serving as a combination of guesthouse and hospital. But St Gregory directed the resources and focus of his church to helping the poor and hungry to an extent greater than it had before, establishing the church As an institution that would meet not just the spiritual needs, but the physical needs of the desperate poor. This is a legacy that endures to this day. In every corner of the world where there is suffering, the Christian Church is caring for the sick and feeding the hungry. There is a wonderful PhD thesis written by Dr. Marles Doliak at Tulane University, Poverty, Charity, and the Papacy in the Time of Gregory the Great, which explores in detail St. Gregory's ministry to the poor during his time as Pope. We will quote from the conclusion of that thesis. From the first century on, Christian believers had been called to be constant servants of the poor and the stranger. In doing so, by charitable acts both large and small, they claimed a measure of power over the evils of the world and the oppressive forces of the powerful. From the years 590 and 604, Gregory I, Bishop of Rome, and self-proclaimed servant of the servants of God, using the powers and resources at his disposal, make charity not just a fixture of Christian ideology, or the practice of capable and motivated individuals, monks or bishops, but a permanent institutional fixture of the Roman Church, which was soon to become the ideological, if not political head of Christendom, at least until the Protestant Reformation. This was Gregory's great achievement. Leo I, the only other papal Magnus Magnus is Latin for the Great, saved Rome from Attila, designed and built St Maria Maggiore and swayed the Council of Chalcedon with his tome. Gregory's contribution was in the realm of charity, in the overhaul, expansion, and formalisation of the church's charitable apparatus. We hold the position of paymaster in the affairs of the poor. Gregory wrote to another aristocrat turned ascetic, Julian, in the year 603, demanding that his Catanian monastery embrace fully its role as, first and foremost, a centre for poor relief. Despite the seriousness with which Gregory approached his officer's role as steward of the poor, he did not, in practical application, create new poor relief institutions. Even Diacone were in existence before his bishopric. Rather, he emerged and reorganised old ones most notably in his treatment of the monastic Xenodochia. His extensive attention to and patronage of monasteries appears to have had at its root his belief, demonstrated by his above exchange with Julian or his chastisement of Bishop Genoarius in 594 and 603 respectively, for allowing a Sardinian xenodochium to fall into disrepair, among other evidence that monasteries should and must play an integral role in the Church's mission against poverty. This is likely why Gregory held his own bishops and subdeacons personally responsible for overseeing the affairs of Zenodokia, or even managing their day-to-day operations. Robert Marcus wrote that Gregory's was a world in which the devil was close, always ready to swallow up the world and the flesh. Gregory's decision to turn to ascetic configurations and institutions, specifically to address the basis necessities of the flesh, food, shelter, medical care, is most interesting indeed. It is almost as if Gregory saw in monasticism a kind of buffer that stood immune to the world's eschatological predicament. Monks, therefore, stood well placed to stand on the front lines, feeding and caring for the world's most desperate. Christian ascetics had turned Christ into a kind of spiritual feeder to reconcile the problem that food and the belly were seen as exemplars of base, carnal desire. Fasting was necessity for most monks, as it was for Gregory, who wrecked his body by doing so. Yet for the same Gregory, the provision of food for Christ's flock was the responsibility of his church, the feeder of his people, and paymaster of the poor. And so he went to significant lengths to ensure that hunger most notably the carnal kind, was satiated whenever possible. The result of all this, for a time, was that Gregory fed significant numbers of persons in the city of Rome beyond just the destitute, although the very poor remained always the primary focus of his effort. St. Gregory passed in the year 590, and his relics are located at St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. The Roman Catholic Church celebrates his feast day on September 3rd, whereas the Anglican Church and the Eastern Orthodox Church celebrate it on March 12th. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Christian Saints Podcast. Look for the Christian Saints podcast page on Facebook or Instagram, or find us on Twitter at podcast underscore saints. All music in this episode was composed by my good friend, James John Marks of Generative Sounds. Please check out his music at generativesoundsjjm.bandcamp.com. And if you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Christian Saints podcast, Please consider giving us a rating on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use so that more people can find this podcast and be blessed by these stories of the saints. Let us end with this prayer attributed to Saint Gregory the Great. O Lord, You received affronts without number from your blasphemers, yet each day you free captive souls from the grip of the ancient enemy. You did not avert your face from the spittle of perfidy, yet you washed souls in saving waters. You accepted your scourging without murmur, yet through your meditation you deliver us from endless chastisements. You endured ill-treatment of all kinds, yet you want to give us a share in the choirs of angels in glory everlasting. You did not refuse to be crowned with thorns, yet you save us from the wounds of sin. In your thirst, you accepted the bitterness of gall, yet you prepare yourself to fill us with eternal delights. You kept silence under the derisive homage rendered you by your executioners, yet you petitioned the Father for us, although you are his equal in divinity. You came to taste death, yet you were the life, and had come to bring it to the dead.